you have a Bible with you today, I want to have you find Revelation chapter 21. All right, and you either just got real excited or real nervous. (laughs) Revelation chapter 21. Uh, and actually what's going to be happening, you can, when you find it, you can kind of set it to the side. We are going to get to that, but it's not going to be right up front like we normally do. Uh, we are finishing up a series this morning uh, that we've called Growing in Christ. All right, the whole month of February, we've been talking about this idea of how important it is that we are growing spiritually. Like as Christians, we are never done growing. As long as we are still breathing, we have never achieved the end result. All right, that's that's just our life. And in the past weeks, we've gone through a list of different ways that we see growth. Uh, You can catch that on our website under Media and then Long Prairie. I'm not going to go through that whole list this morning. All right, I just want to kind of jump in. So I want to talk about the idea of personal ministry. All right, personal ministry and how it is part of our growth process. But this is going to look a little different from what I was originally thinking. All right, and probably different from what your potential preconceived idea of personal ministry would be. All right, so really where I want to go with this is what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And this is such a massively important question, but I think so many people in our world, uh, and maybe even many Christians, don't really know how to answer this question. And my hope today is that you and I would have an open heart to what God has for us. I also think that there is some possibility for people to mishear what I am saying today and even a a possibility for a few people potentially to be offended, all right? Uh, So let's just kind of do the best thing that we can do in these types of situations, and that's stand and pray together, all right? Uh, I'm excited for this morning. Uh, I really am. Uh, but let's just open this time in prayer. So, uh, God, just give us open hearts right now. Lord, give us unity. Uh, Give me your words, not mine. God, and I pray that this would be a time that would just challenge us, that we would leave here today with a new uh, focus, a new thought on an outlook on what this means to live as your follower. So, Jesus, we just ask that in your name. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. I think for a lot of people, Christian or not, uh, they would boil down the idea of Christianity to where you go when you die. Like, that's just kind of like, okay, it's a, it, that's what it's about, all right? And so, for some reason, the whole idea uh, it, with Christianity, then, is like going to heaven. Like, that's the entire focus of Christianity, And I just don't think that that's what it is. The process of this whole thing that a lot of people kind of get into their heads is, you know, for various reasons at that time in a person's life, they ask Jesus into their heart, whatever that means. Um, And and this gives them this free ticket off of this kind of terrible place and into heaven when they die. And and that's like, okay, that might be an oversimplification. I understand that. Um, But it's how some people approach it. All right, and after we ask Jesus into our heart, our job then is to live life kind of above a certain line. You know, maybe we get a few mistakes here and there that we can kind of dip below, but our job is just to live our life not losing our little golden ticket into heaven. Right? Like that, that's like some people's approach to Christianity. All right, that probably means going to church on maybe somewhat of a regular basis, maybe giving some money away, uh, but overall being a decently nice, good person. And when you have this type of mindset, it results in us living our lives very inwardly focused. Okay, we care about whether or not we are going to heaven. 
And we probably care about whether the people we love are going to heaven as well. And maybe if we're really good people, we even somewhat care about people we don't even know going to heaven, right? Like this is, again, I know this is a very simplified version of it, but this is how a lot of people uh, approach Christianity. All right, this sounds harsh, um, but I think it's pretty accurate for a lot of the Western world's view. And unfortunately, I think even for a lot of Christians, like this is their view, whether they realize it or not, because they are living this way. Maybe they wouldn't say that that's what they believe, but this is how they're living, The problem is, this isn't at all the picture that we're given in the Bible. All right, Jesus' ministry was not going around and talking about getting into heaven. There are a few passages that because of being translated in different language, uh, if we approach it with that idea, they can look like that's what Jesus is talking about. So so why do so many people have uh, this type of idea of what it means to be a Christian and what the purpose of of following Jesus is? I think uh, some people were taught things when they were younger. All right, And we were taught things in a way that made sense to us when we were young. All right, And then we never went back and got further understanding. Like, think about this. When I talk to my little kids, I have a three, a six, and a seven-year-old. Like, I talk to them in ways that make sense to them. Okay? But as they get older, I should be talking to them more in ways that make sense, in a more age-appropriate thing as they grow. Now, I, I think... So take the idea of heaven, for example. Like I think many of us, when we were little, we were taught some picture of clouds and angels and robes and harps and pearly gates. Right? Like that's kind of this picture that we have. All right? Like can I be honest with you this morning? That does not sound like a place that I want to spend eternity. Can I just be real? All right? Like I like pants. Okay? (laughs) I like pants. All right? We'll just leave it at that. All right, like that, that's not really what, what I want. But, but think about it. Like how often do we continue to grow in our understanding of some of these things? Where that's, that's what we were taught as we were kids because it made sense as kids, but we weren't really taught anything else as we got older. All right, the other reason I think some of us uh, have a misled view of what it means to be a Christian and, and really kind of the big picture of Christianity is because of Christian fiction books. All right, and I'm going to be getting real specific here and take some weird shots at things, and I'm sorry if you get offended here, but I'm just going to say it as is. I think for many Christians, their entire foundation of what the future looks like is built on fictional books like the Left Behind series. Like, they were real big books for a season, I understand that, but I think a lot of people, like, they they read that, and that's their view of what is everything is, of what's going to happen. All right, and... I think some of you right now, you have no clue what I'm talking about. And that's okay. And I would actually say I think that's good. (laughs) All right? But because of of their belief in what the end looks like, coming from a fictional book, they they now live their lives with that in mind. I'm saying fictional because someone wrote that story. They sat down and wrote it. They weren't trying to stick super close to the Bible. They were writing a a book for people to sit down and read. All right? And, And I don't think they realize how much that skews how they live. All right, understand how you think something concludes absolutely changes how you proceed to that end. All right, that that might not make sense. Like if you think this ends with us all escaping some evil place and getting taken away to some distant good place, it changes how you live. All right, it changes how you live. I want to quickly look at something. Revelation chapter 21. 
All right, now remember the book of Revelation is uh, a specific genre called apocalyptic literature. All right, there are different genres of books of the Bible, like just anything else. You have history, you have poetry, you have all these different things. Well, one of the genres in the Bible, and there's several books that kind of fall into this or parts of books, is apocalyptic literature. All right, and what we need to understand is that this was a very real way of writing, and it often involved a lot of imagery that was very wild and even kind of out there to prove a specific point and get that point across, all right? So Revelation chapter 21 is describing what the end of everything looks like. All right, this is what we are moving towards. So it says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. All right, real quickly, I'm going to stop there. No longer any sea. This isn't a big thing like oceans are gone and and God hates oceans. All right, like the sea, this is imagery. At the very beginning of the Bible, what does it say? It says that there was these dark waters and it was void and that God's spirit hung above that. Like the sea is meant to represent this idea of kind of chaos. All right, so again, here, even as they say this, the focus is there's no longer any sea. There's no longer this like dark void filled with chaos. All right, it says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. You can tell this is imagery because they're talking about a city being dressed up like a bride. All right. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. All right, so quickly here. What do we see? We see God has started a new way of living. It isn't necessarily a picture of God destroying the old earth and heaven, Uh, Like they blow up and he creates these new places, all right? The phrase used to say that the old earth and heaven have passed away is the same Greek phrase saying that death, crying, pain are gone, okay? It's more of a picture of them being cleansed, and after being cleansed, the result is something new, a new way of living, like a new way of living after you are married, all right? Like your life as a single person was not obliterated and destroyed. You just have a new way of living. The phrasing, the old order of things, kind of gives a good picture of this. It says the old order has passed away. There's a new way of living. And it says God will come and live among his people. Not his people will go and live with God. And and that matters. Like there's a difference here. We have a God that wants to be with us. Okay, it isn't that we are these terrible, wretched beings that need to be elevated to his level. Okay, God wants to renew, redeem, cleanse his his creation so that it's what he always intended and he can live with them the way that he intended. Chapter 21 goes on off the rest of the chapter to describe this new Jerusalem city. It's where... Scripture says we will spend eternity, this big, beautiful city. All right, and the picture is heaven and earth are being brought back together to be more like one place with this new Jerusalem, almost like this bridge that joins the two together and they overlap. Okay, all this is supposed to give us the picture of when God first gave purpose to his creation in the Garden of Eden. All right, you have all of creation. God creates everything. 
And then inside of his creation, there's this one specific spot, the Garden of Eden. All right, and this is where God and man coincide. They live together. They are in partnership, ruling over creation. Not ruling in a domineering way, but they are stewarding creation together. God wanted to be partners with us. And it's beautiful. And it is this thing that is called the kingdom of God. And in scripture, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are used interchangeably, those words. And I think sometimes uh, that right there leads to more misunderstanding of Jesus' teaching. Because when he says the kingdom of heaven, if we have a preconceived idea of heaven as clouds and angels and robes and trumpets and harps and this, then when he says kingdom of heaven, that's where our mind goes. That's what we think. All right? We think of this distant place. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is simply the way that God intended things to be from the start. All right? Okay, let's take a breath. Some of you are like, what is going on here? We are in this series on spiritual growth. I thought he was talking about personal ministry. All right, this, this matters. All right, this is not just a rabbit trail here. Like, this matters for us. So what is going on uh, with this? Like, Remember that the way that we live now is greatly affected by where we think we are going. I drive my car with the end destination in mind, right? Like when I get into a car, I don't just kind of haphazardly start driving all over Long Prairie and be like, oh, eventually I'll find my way to wherever it is I'm going. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like you get in a car, you have somewhere you're going and you drive with that in mind. And here's the thing, we drive our lives with a destination in mind. We do, whether you realize it or not. It matters. The way we live today, the choices we make, the impact we have on this world is dependent on the big picture. We can't live our lives with just our little world in mind. We are part of a bigger picture. And if we don't understand what that bigger picture is, it will skew what we think our role is now. Okay, now I want to do this. It's a little different from what we normally do. I actually, I want to show a quick five-minute video. All right? And I think this is going to help bring all this together. It's going to show us what is this big picture? Why, why does this matter? Why does all of this matter to me today? How I'm supposed to live my life. All right, this video is from a group called The Bible Project. They are brilliant scholars and theologians who have an incredibly talented animation team that puts things into simple but challenging videos, okay? I encourage you, look up the Bible Project on either YouTube uh, or their website. They have all sorts of interactive ways to help you grow. They just released an app, okay? So some of you guys are still wondering, Bible Project, the Bible Project, okay? Like, look that up, I'm telling you. You're going to be stuck watching videos all afternoon, and it's amazing, all right? But I want us to do this. We're going to watch this video here, uh, so let's make sure we got, we got sound up, ready to go and everything, and then I'm going to come back up, and we're going to bring this all together for us. What, is, what does this actually mean? I love that. <clears throat> I love the, the ending lines. The gospel authors don't just want us to know about the good news of God's kingdom. They want us to be part of it. The gospel authors want to persuade us to trust and follow Jesus so that we can participate in the new creation that he began. You see, that, that's what it means to be a Christian. To be a follower of Jesus means that we understand what the good news of God's kingdom actually is. Like we talk about this all the time, good news, gospel, like these words mean the same thing. All right, so the good news, this is what the good news is. The good news is that God is redeeming his creation and bringing it back to the way it once was, and he is doing that through Jesus. 
That, that's what the good news is. It is starting to happen here and there, but it isn't redeemed completely yet. That's why, that's why we talk about it sometimes in this idea of like already but not yet. Because it's starting to happen, but it's not completely fulfilled yet. And once we know that, we can announce that. But it doesn't stop there. Like that, that's what being a witness is, is announcing that. We are actually called to be part of bringing his kingdom anywhere that we can. All right? That's why the Lord's Prayer, maybe you know this, it says, pray that your kingdom come, your will be done. All right? That's what it means for his kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right? Because God created one kingdom. Heaven and earth were, were one at the beginning when we saw that. All right, the Garden of Eden, it was one. It overlapped. And then they were ripped apart by sin all right, and broken into two separate kingdoms. And God wants to bring them back together, and it will happen one day. That's the end of the story. That's what we see is these things coming back together. All right? So whenever things are put the way they are supposed to be, it's like a little bit of God's kingdom is breaking through into our current broken world. So when Jesus healed somebody, all right, or when someone is, is, is healed today, like it's God's kingdom breaking through into our world. That, that's what's happening. It's these kingdoms being brought back together. And it's not completely done yet. That's what we're moving towards. All right, miracles are heaven breaking through. They are little pockets of two kingdoms becoming one. God's will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. Because someday there won't be any death. There won't be disease. There won't be pain. All right? And understand this. When we bring clean drinking water to someone who doesn't have it, God's kingdom is breaking through in that moment. God wanted everybody to have clean drinking water. That's how this was supposed to be. But in our broken world, it's not the way it is. So when we set things the way that God wanted them, the way he intended them, God's kingdom is being brought. That, and that's what our role is. When someone is rescued out of human trafficking and restored to the life that they should have had, that's a taste of what God's kingdom will be like. All of these are little foreshadowing tastes, little, little snippets of what it's going to be someday. When racism and hatred and war happen, it is our kingdom. When those things are confronted and removed, it is foreshadowing of God's kingdom coming. So when we talk about personal ministry and it being an area we grow through, what we're talking about is bringing God's kingdom. That is our job. That is our personal ministry. That is the role every follower of Jesus has. And if you aren't part of bringing God's kingdom, you aren't following Jesus. All right, that, that sounds harsh, but it, it's the reality because Jesus is moving towards the end of heaven and earth being one. Okay, picture him literally marching, walking towards that. That is where he's going. If you are not going in that direction, then by definition, you are not following him. That, that's what it means to follow, is to walk in their footsteps, to, to go the same place they're going. And we know, we see in the book of Revelation, that is where this is going. So if we are following him, we have to be part of this. And Jesus brought the power of the kingdom of God through his love and self-sacrifice. That's what we are called to do. So when we say we grow through personal ministry, this is what it means. It should not get boiled down to meaning you grow through your personal ministry of being a greeter here at church. Like, or being on the worship team, or serving in kids' church. Like, you probably do grow through those things. 
And those things are good. You should be involved in a Christian community and serving like that. But the idea of personal ministry, it's almost better defined instead of uh, personal ministry as purposeful living. Like that, that's what it is. It's living our life with that intended purpose. We make decisions with that in mind. Everything we do is kind of thinking about that, about God's kingdom coming. You grow when you are accomplishing our God-given responsibility. And the vast majority of this happens outside of these four walls. That's why you're going to hear us talking about growing God's kingdom so often. Being kingdom builders. We need to do that as individuals. As a church, we are committed to try and give money away to places that are bringing God's kingdom. God's will all over this world. All right, that might be through more humanitarian things like clean water, food for those that don't have any, rescuing people from trafficking, uh, taking care of orphans and children in foster care, training up younger generation, reaching out to people in jails. Like we have a whole list of ways that we are, are trying to do this as a collective church. But what are you doing as an individual? A massive part of this will always be declaring the good news. The gospel. Like that, that is the biggest part of this. That's always at the front of what we do. And we believe we can grow the kingdom of God by helping start life-giving churches in towns in central Minnesota and by seeing people engaged in what God has called them to do. All right? So I know right now, uh, some of you, God is maybe speaking to you and putting specific things on your heart. Ways that you can be announcing the kingdom of God to others and allowing that to change their lives. Or uh, others might be having dreams of, of how to change the present reality for some people and to bring the kingdom of God into their life. All right, that's, that's amazing and I can't wait to see how that happens because we are all called to do that. Every single person who calls himself a follower of Jesus, you better actually be following as he walks towards this end. All right, let's stand together. few weeks ago, we talked about this idea of 50 people being called into ministry, and, and we kind of define that a little bit further as more of like pastoral or, or missionary. And I, and I think some people, uh, they're like, well, maybe that's me, maybe this is what's going on in my life, and, and maybe it is. But I think for a lot of people, what was happening was maybe for the first time, God was, you were open to God speaking to you about something new, and God was activating you in ways uh, of bringing his kingdom. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you are, have to be a pastor to do that or a missionary to do that. Like every single one of us is supposed to be doing this in some way. And I believe that God began to put dreams on your heart of what that might look like in a more focused, more intentional way. I think there's a few action steps for us today depending on where you're landing in this. Some of us in the room, maybe we need to stop and survey our Christian walk. Maybe today you were presented with the fact that you haven't actually been following Jesus like you thought you were because you weren't actually going anywhere. Or maybe where you were going was a different direction. Maybe you're realizing that there needs to be more to it in your life. This isn't about saying a prayer and holding on to your golden ticket into heaven. All right, this is about making real change right here, right where you are now. All right, and that, that's okay if that's the realization that you're coming to today. 
All right, don't feel bad about that. Like we always want to be open to God speaking to us. I want us to have a little bit of that wake-up call. I'm not trying to come down hard on people. All right, so if that's you, what you're saying is, I need to get some action into my faith. I need to spend some time with God, repent if you need to about this, ask God to give you some direction to light a fire underneath you. Something's got to change. Or maybe you've been following Jesus towards this kingdom, but you've kind of been following at a distance, sort of taking your own pace and trying to do a little bit of what he wants while still kind of building your own kingdom. All right, let me tell you this. Following at a distance is dangerous. All right, when we look at Peter's example, Jesus is arrested. What does it say? Peter followed him at a distance. All right, now I'm kind of making a stretch with this, but the reality is following Jesus at a distance is one step away from denying him completely when things get really difficult. All right, so maybe you've been following him at a distance and you need to change that. All right, now understand this. I think we are allowed to enjoy God's creation. That's why he made it. He made it for us to be part of this. And there's this fine line that we have to figure out between enjoying God's creation and living our life for his creation or living our life for the one that created it. And that's a very fine line. And it's something that you have to figure out in your life. All right? It doesn't mean that you have to live this terrible life that you hate and you never get to do anything fun or anything you enjoy. God wants us to enjoy his creation. All right? But I know that so often when we think we've kind of found that line, let me just tell you, the selfish desire inside of us probably has us a little bit closer to enjoying the creation than enjoying the creator. All right? So you you want to work on what is that line? Where, Where is that at? And then probably say, I probably need to take a step beyond that. All right? Start moving closer to God. I think another action step And for some of us in the room, maybe all of these are you. I don't know. But I think another action step might be realizing that you need more practical teaching in your life. You maybe need to grow in your understanding of the Bible and what it means to follow Jesus. Maybe you have that understanding from when you were a kid. You were taught something, but you never went back and added on to it. And you're like, I'm 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, but I kind of have the understanding and the faith of, of like a teenager because I've, I've never really taken it seriously since then. All right, I, I love Bible Project videos. How many of you guys learned something during the Bible Project video, right? Like if you, if you didn't, uh, I'm kind of questioning if you watched it. Like even just the fact that like Matthew's broken up into five chunks to kind of represent the Torah because Jesus is represented as a new, and you're like, holy cow, how, have I, how long have I been reading this book and I've never known that? You know, like some of these things that are just, they're, they're beyond us. But I want to tell you, like, you might be sitting there wondering, ah, oh, why, why do I not enjoy reading the Bible? Why do I just, oh, I just have to, it's like pulling teeth to get me to open the Bible. It's like, probably because you're not actually learning and growing with it. You're just reading words. Put yourself in a place where you can learn, you can grow, you can develop. Your faith needs to always be moving. Our knowledge as well. Like sometimes we push back against knowledge and we say, well, knowledge isn't, you know, unless it's in your heart, it doesn't matter. That's right. But also no knowledge definitely matters (laughs) because that's also not getting into your heart. Like that, 
it matters. So maybe you need to spend some time finding ways to be growing more practically. Look up Bible Project videos, all right? They have, they have videos on every book of the Bible that are basically like a little commentary that walk you through the entire book and what the layout of it is and what it means. They have books on, on themes of the Bible, like words that maybe you've heard in church and you don't know, like atonement or righteousness. And you're like, that's a very Christian word. What does this mean? And they have, they have videos on themes. They have videos on specific words because words change over time. Words meant one thing 20 years ago. It doesn't mean that anymore. So these word studies that they have. And then they actually have a series of, of videos, and this was one of them, that talks about how do you read the Bible? And they have one on apocalyptic literature. What does that actually mean? How should I read those parts of the Bible? It's brilliant. I absolutely love it. I've had people tell me, like, all I need is my Bible. I don't want anything else. I'm like, well, okay. If you're fluent in Hebrew and Greek and you understand the ins and outs of about 4,000 different years of culture over several continents, then maybe you can make that argument. I don't think that's any of us. That's not me. <laughs> like, I, I need other things to be brought in to help me understand what's going on, to bring new light to these. So I want us to do this. We're going we're gonna to just sing. Part of our worship team is going to sing uh, one of our songs here. And you can sing along with. I want you to take some time reflect. Like, what does this mean? What is your action step? Where are you at in this? What does it mean for you to have personal ministry that is expanding God's kingdom? All right, so let's do that. And I'm going to come up and I'll, I'll pray and close us out here after just a few minutes, but let's not miss this. Let's, let's press in. Like these are these times we talk about powerful moments where God can change us. All right, but it takes us pressing in. God draws near to, to us when we draw near to him. So let's, let's draw near. I like those words of what am I chasing? Some of us are maybe living our life at a pace where we actually aren't chasing anything. We're kind of just sitting around. I think that that's probably something that needs to change. But then we always need to stop and say, what, what is it that I'm chasing? Am I chasing this life here, these promotions, the 401k to have this retirement? Like, I don't really care about what the end of all of that is. I'm, I care more about what does the end of, of my life look like? Like, I, I want to work this long and have this retirement so that I can focus on these things. And I, I get to just hang out and go be a snowbird and do this and, and all these different things. And that's, like I said, you know, there, I think God wants us to enjoy his creation. But, man, that's a fine line that we got to be careful of. It really is. What is it that you're chasing? If you don't really know where to start, here's what I want to challenge you with. If there's someone else that you look up to and you respect and you think I, they're going the right direction, start hanging out with them. You know, Paul even said, like, follow me as I follow Christ. Sometimes it's hard to have this idea of like, I want to follow Jesus because we're like, ah, I really wish Jesus were like still living his life right in front of me because then I could just copy him and do this. Like, you know what, there, there's times where maybe you need to just find somebody else that you really respect. And you say, hey, I want to start spending more time with you. I want you to invest in me. I want my life to begin to look more like yours. And as I do that, it's going to help me figure out my next steps. 
How many of us today would say that we need to reevaluate what our direction is that we're driving our life? All right, and that doesn't mean that like, I think this is for Christians, maybe even more so than anybody, but like, how many of you would say like, I need to reevaluate the direction that I'm moving everything and what I'm focusing on in my life? Yeah. Like, so what, what does that look like for you? What does that look like? What is your next steps? Maybe you need to not leave this room until you've kind of at least figured out your next step. Because I'll tell you this, once you leave here, life goes back to normal. It's amazing how quick that happens. And maybe you need to find a way to figure that out right now before you even walk out of here. Come up with a first step just to start you down this path. I want to pray and just close this out this morning. God, I pray that during this time, Lord, that there was, there was moments where people heard from you. God, not, not just me, but that they heard from you. We would always rather that we hear from you than any person, God. 10 seconds hearing from your voice means so much more than hours of anybody else's. God, I pray that right now you'd begin to even just speak to us. That as we go about our week, that we would continue to hear your voice, that we would reevaluate, that we would move closer to where it is that you are drawing us. And that we would be able to live our life in a way where we are not only announcing the good news of your kingdom, that there is a new way to live, but that we would actually actively be part of bringing that. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen.